Welcome back to the Trifecta Podcast. It's so nice to finally have been able to sit down with Cameron and Maddie again and record this episode together. This episode's just kind of a little bit of everything and just us catching up and talking about the struggles in our lives that have been happening recently. Thanks for being here. I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. So, Cam, what has been your biggest struggle lately? I think that it's been the fact that I cannot overcome certain aspects of my chronic illness. And having a chronic illness is never being able to escape a body that is constantly against you. But for some of my illnesses, there are solutions or band-aids. Like I have severe POTS, borderline pure autonomic failure, and I have multiple ways to manage that. Um, exercise, two of the top medications on the market, um, a benzodiazepine, which is used off-label, but is really helpful in the most severe cases. Um, with my mast cell, I'm on all the top drugs. Um, I have a brain aneurysm, and while I can't band-aid that, I know that um, I can get an MRI twice a year, and when it reaches a certain size, I get a coil in my brain, and, you know, that fixes that. But with EDS, there is no cure. And so for me right now, I've been having issues with my spine and neck for seven months. And it has taken a huge toll on me physically, but also mentally, because I am a person that needs a solution. Yes, I understand that my body is never going to be healthy, but until you give me an appropriate diagnosis, I don't know if PT and nerve ablations are the way to go, or if a fusion is the way to go. And doctors just not... um, valuing your life and being like, oh, well, we don't want to touch you because you're too complicated and you should go see this neurosurgeon. Okay. So I wait and I see this neurosurgeon. And then I realize that he's really not a good fit for complicated cases where traditional imaging is not showing any problems. So then I have to go see another neurosurgeon and that is, you know, a waiting period that at least exceeds a month. For some people, it it is months. Um, And then you have to wait for the imaging to be approved by insurance. And you literally are just watching yourself fall apart helplessly. And for me, I guess that's, that's the hardest thing. Like my physical health has impacted my mental health to such a degree that I'm self-isolating that I will be laughing and crying in the same day, like I, as somebody that is very emotionally level, generally, I have been very emotionally unstable um, because some pretty scary symptoms happen when your neck and your back um, have serious uh, instability issues or tethered cord or compression of your spinal cord, which is all things that my EDS doctor have thrown out at me. Um, you can't escape them. Would you say like for you right now, the hardest part is having new symptoms with your neck and not knowing what they are, like what is causing them and how to fix it kind of? Yes. I think 
knowing that there is a problem and not having a solution. I know that I will never get to a point where I'm going to be a hundred percent. I will be in constant pain and dysfunction for the rest of my life. But if there's not some form of hope, which at this point there's not because nobody knows what's wrong with me, that's when my mental health really tanks. I, that's very true. And I think that's for me, what I'm struggling with in life in general, because as of now, this is year 11 going on 12 and I don't have a single diagnosis yet, like of anything. I know what I think is wrong from you two, but in Canada, we don't get to choose our doctors. If you don't like the doctor, well, it's like, well, sorry, then you don't get one. Or it's a six to 12 month wait to see doctors here. So both countries have their downfalls for sure. And it's so hard not knowing what's wrong is how the hell are you supposed to fix something when you have no idea what you're fixing? Yeah, I think that's definitely the hardest part is not knowing what's wrong. And I think all three of us are dealing with that in our own ways. Mm -hmm. Um, And it can really take a toll on your mental health and lead to serious depression and hopelessness. Right now, it's not really with my health, but my daughter's health. And um, it's been, I, I, it's not the first time that I've had to advocate for my daughter um, and her in a medical setting, but um, it's, it is hard to do. And it's hard to advocate for her without coming across as really an anxious, really anxious mom or um, which they wrote in the chart or, um, you know, just overbearing. But I think that when it's either, whether it's yourself or your child, the the waiting for answers, the knowing something's wrong, but not having the answer is terrifying because you, you, you're afraid things are going to get But they literally wrote that in your chart that you're an over anxious mom. They wrote, yeah, they wrote, um, um, let me try to find it. Um, and once then, Maddie shares that, then I want to go into my opinion because I'll unintentionally cut somebody off about the medical system yeah. based on these things. It says yet somehow, yeah, yet somehow it still says on Judea's chart that I, that her mom is very anxious. Um, I'm going to speak oh, up so and then I'll expand that if your child or baby is sick, and I have experienced this firsthand, um, when I have, you know, I had my son who's now 11, almost died. Um, of course, you're going to be anxious, especially if your child is exhibiting symptoms at such a young age of an illness that has had such an impact on your life. If you are seeing those symptoms, you're going to fight and advocate for your kid. But that just goes to show the fact that the doctor wrote that in your chart, that they're invalidating like your daughter's illness by saying, oh, mom's just anxious. Just like they said to us, oh, you're just anxious. Like, no, we're not just anxious. Like we're sick or our kids are sick and we're not crazy, but that 
is truly medical negligence. And that's what I wanted to bring up the two things invalidating, invalidating somebody's feelings um, and saying, oh, or like concerns and saying, oh, somebody's just anxious um, is medical negligence because you're not listening to your patient's physical symptoms. They may be anxious, but that doesn't take away that Maddie's daughter's lab, lab results are abnormal. And they're not just like, oh, she has a high white blood count. She has a minor infection. It's like, oh, your one-year-old has IgE allergies. Of course, any mom would be anxious. Exactly. I was just going to say that. What parent could watch their child be sick in any capacity and not be anxious? Exactly. Yeah. Go ahead. Part of it, I think, is just the medical system in general and how it's all focused on productivity and how the doctors have quotas and, and very profit strict too. and profits and very strict amounts of time that they're allowed to spend with the patient. So of course they might um, like when they're taught, you know, if you hear hoof, hoof beats, think horses, not zebras. But like with the one doctor who knew what Massel was said to me, I'll say that in this case, you are a zebra. So it makes sense to look for zebras with your daughter too. And that was one of the most like validating and helpful things because it it would be easy for a doctor to just chalk it up to a virus. But when it's been going on for so long and she's been having the allergic symptoms as well, directly after being exposed to a major pathogen, like it's just, you you have to weigh your motherly instinct and then the information and the knowledge that comes to you. And it's a difficult process. And I don't care what doctors say, you're allowed to be anxious as a mom, first of all. And no one knows your child better than you. Like, you know, if something is wrong with her and it's been weeks now, you know, she's not getting better. And if you don't advocate her for her, who would? That's your job as a parent. And that's their job as a doctor to listen to your concerns. It, it's just like um, doctors questioning us um, about our bodies and you are telling these doctors, hey, you might know about your specialty, but the fact that you don't know, for example, postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome is a form of dysautonomia shows me that you shouldn't be telling me that I don't have X, Y, or Z because I have more knowledge. And I'm a very humble person, but I've had to become quote unquote arrogant to these doctors to basically be like, no, I am the boss of my body and I know more than you. And that is ridiculous in itself. Like I will call them out and that's not my disposition at all. But in three and a half years, I've almost died multiple times because of doctors' egos, because nobody listened to me, because I've had POTS for years. And if I had been treated appropriately years ago, I probably wouldn't be in pure autonomic failure, which no doctor has admitted that I'm in even though I'm on a medication for it and it can only be approved if you have pure autonomic failure. Um, Well, for me, like how many times have I had to message both of you and say, 
okay, this is what's happening. And you've had to be like, oh, it's very painful, but you're not dying. Yes. Because my medical system literally is failing me. I don't trust going to the hospital because I think they will give me something and I will die. And that is what it is at this point. And it's ridiculous. And here I'm going to go getting all passionate that we have to rely on one another literally to figure out how to save our own lives. And that it's appropriate in a medical setting for a doctor to literally be like, well, your deck of or your, your, the hand of cards that you were dealt sucks, but you're going to feel like you're dying every time you have a dysautonomic storm and there's nothing you can do about it except just deal with it. And we're so sorry. What the hell is wrong with the medical system? Like Professor Rodney Graham, who is in Europe, he is known as like one of the best EDS doctors in the world. And he said that EDS is the most understudied um, disorder or disease in the history of modern medicine. And he is 100% accurate because it is not at all rare. Um, Doctors are just ignorant. And for some reason, it's not as interesting. This is what I've heard from doctors. It's not as interesting as say MS or lupus. And so they haven't put the necessary research into it yet. It's a genetic condition. MS and lupus generally, I mean, they can be genetic, but EDS, the most common type, which is hypermobile EDS, you have a 50% chance of passing that down to your children. So it is way more common than people think. For me, like I got an MS diagnosis. I don't have MS. They found out that mast cell disease was attacking my brain. And I know this podcast is all over the place, but it really comes down to, you know, being invalidated and medical negligence. And maybe that should kind of be what this podcast is about, because all the things that we've talked about might seem to be random, but it all comes down to having the medical world invalidate our symptoms, chalking it up to mental health issues and um, not knowing enough about what we have when they should. Especially in Canada, like I, um, I would bet a lot of money that I have the trifecta from your guys's medical knowledge, but I know staying in this country, I likely will never be diagnosed properly but I don't know what to do. It is, it's just negligence at the end of the day. But the only reason I'm fighting to get answers for me, not the only reason, but one of the main reasons is because you said we all have children and we can pass it on to them. I refuse to let my child suffer just like you two because they don't know enough about it. So I don't understand why they can say, oh, you're an over anxious parent. You're like, no, actually I have chronic illness as a mother. If there's any chance my child has that, of course you're going to advocate for them, even if you didn't have chronic illness. What kind of parent doesn't get anxious about that? And I think we we have come very far because I'm about a decade older than the both of you. And I know that Maddie got some of her diagnoses way younger than I did. Um, But... Forgot what I was going to say, which welcome to real life when you have brain fog. Um, that anxiety and PTSD 
and depression, like do not negate the fact that you're chronically ill. Like they can coexist. I mean, a lot of us are very anxious people because for so long, we haven't been believed. We've been told that it's all in our head. And then we find out years later that our body is permanently damaged because doctors refused to look outside the box or they're too egotistical to admit, hey, I don't know what's wrong. Like it took me five doctors to get to a mass health specialist before she admitted that I 100% have moderately severe mast cell, which I knew, but the thing that she said is, hey, guess what? Those blood tests and urine tests that they give everybody, they're not accurate in any way. And I diagnose so many patients solely based on their symptoms. We need more doctors like that. We need more doctors like my EDS doctor who was like, yeah, okay, your symptoms are, are, are not okay right now because of your spinal instability and you need a Band-Aid of course, I'll, I'll increase your benzodiazepine. Do you know how many people are afraid to ask for benzodiazepines because they are literally told no, or they're accused of being a drug addict? Well, hello, I'm on not on. I'm not on any controlled substances, but that one. And that one was not. I didn't ask for that originally. It was prescribed by him for both my mast cell and POTS. And what I've heard is this actually prescribed by Afrin, who's the leading mast cell specialist in the world, as well as Dr. Blair Grubb, who is the leading POTS specialist in the world. So why, like, are there not more doctors like these two doctors? I know I'm very fortunate to have these doctors. It took me almost- But you also worked your ass off I, to find those doctors. I did. And that was something that I was going to say. It took me months and even years of fighting with doctors, of being a person being a person that I never was, which is a bulldog and literally being like, I'm not going to die due to your medical negligence. I even joined social media to get onto, you know, EDS Facebook support groups to get recommendations for doctors. If one doctor didn't have an Can answer. Can I ask for you a question? Yeah, sorry. May. Okay. So coming from a Canadian who doesn't have that option, that's where I'm struggling so much. It's like, the more I push for answers, the more they label you as crazy here and you don't get a second opinion. No, and you become I, defeated. I mean, that's I'm like, what I'm I would imagine. I'm, I'm, here. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? If I didn't have you two, I think I'd not even be here anymore, to be honest. Which and the fact that it's not even, the fact that you would even consider moving to a whole new country just to save yourself and survive, that, that should not have to happen. No. And, and, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Maddie. No, you go ahead. No. I was just okay. going to say, touching back onto like the whole, it's in your head, getting, having it take years and years, even decades to figure out what's wrong with you. Um, yeah, I definitely think that it, that's one of the issues that prevents doctors from properly diagnosing is to pass it off onto mental health. I mean, that's exactly what happened when I first got sick, when I started having these terrible stomach aches and even throwing up when I was uh, nine years old and they just blamed it on my parents' divorce and sent me to therapy. And of course the stomach aches did not get worse. I mean, they did not get better. 
they got worse and worse. And until they actually found that I had um, celiac disease and a whole bunch of other Ig mediated allergies, as well as later on mass activation syndrome. But, um, and also chronic fatigue. A lot of a lot of doctors will just pack pass off your, your symptoms of having chronic fatigue as you being uh, depressed or going through a depression. And I think that definitely accounts for some of it, but what do you guys think about like what, what might be some other obstacles that, that create and that makes it so hard to get diagnosed? It's lack. One second. For one thing it's in Canada, I have to prove it. My doctors have said, we can't tell you you don't have MCAS, but we can't prove you do. So have a good day. Like, we can't help you. Like, how am I supposed to prove something that the testing does not exist? And this is where I get fired up. This is where I talk about medical negligence. This is what a lot of my posts are about on Instagram. People are literally dying every day. Because one, there's not enough research on certain things. And two, doctors are not listening to you. It would be so simple for a doctor in Canada to be like, okay, we don't recognize mass cell in in this country, but let me go do some research. Or, hey, I saw that you brought me this medical article, you know, from a reputable source in the United States. And it states that you need to take this medication regimen every day. So even though we don't recognize it in Canada, I'm going to put you on this. A primary care provider in Canada could put you on this. Like well, really and I just, thought, but they I don't know, it's just negligence. You're right. That's all it is. It it, it is, and that's why I always get fired up and I guess sometimes no, not sometimes. Let's be real, Cameron. Um <laughs> I will interrupt and The three of us have always talked about it because interruption is thought of as something that is rude and none of us are meaning to like talk over each other. I think we're just all very passionate people, which is why we started this podcast. Um, You know, when we interrupt, it's when we're like passionate about helping each other's problems. Yes, that is very true. I will fight to the death for you and your Yeah, that's, that's very true too. And you know, I have this fire inside of me and people have always said to me, Cameron, you've had such a tough life. Why are you not bitter and angry? And I'm like, well, it's there, you know, but it only comes out when I see injustice in the world. I am not going to take my anger out for what happened to me in my life on somebody because that's ridiculous, you know? But I advocate to the degree that I do um, and for the people that I love because none of us should die young. We don't have metastasized stage four cancer. But you know what? A lot of us are going to die young. And I realized when I started advocating instead of just sharing my story, but really being like, 
hey, I'm here for you. Like I can take on your burden. Like I have that capability that people all over the world have started reaching out to me. And that has reignited the flame within me. That has made me angry, but in a positive way. It's made me want to fight. It's made me want to challenge more doctors. It's made me spend a lot more time on Instagram and not in an unhealthy way because I'm not scrolling through reels. I'm literally answering questions. People are like, well, who did you see? What did you do? And I'm more than happy to share that because I know that I wouldn't be here today without the medical knowledge from people that I learned on Instagram when I was first diagnosed three and a half years ago. I wouldn't have met Carly and Maddie. And there are days that I don't want to be alive anymore. I don't have a family support network. I lost my kid. I don't really have anything else to lose. But if I hadn't been on Instagram, I wouldn't have connected with either one of them. And we are the trifecta for a reason. We're not clicky like an exclusive like obviously the connection that we have is very close but our goal is to share our knowledge um and to give support to the community um and we just work really well together in doing that which is why I think we started this podcast even though none of us have ever had a podcast none of this is scripted we don't know what we're doing but it's like we have no idea what we're doing and it's never going to be perfect. And as a perfectionist, I know Maddie's a perfectionist too. Um, we're just going to have to say, fuck it because people are listening and the real raw unedited version of life and our bodies is what people need and want to hear. Yeah. And I love how you t- have taken the hard things in your life, but used it for good because yeah we say this all the time we have a group chat and we're always like talking back and forth all day long but I take okay like 10 20 minutes ago when I started talking I was puking uncontrollably my heart hurts so bad and I come on and talk to Cameron and Maddie and I'm like they're like you're okay it'll be okay and they've been there and when if I didn't have your knowledge I would probably think I was about to die or not have the will to fight through it and you remind me to even breathe or to just that I'll be okay I know so if you weren't like that I would not be alive right now to be honest and we all do that for one another and even Maddie and I who have been through it it doesn't mean that just because we have the diagnoses and the medication that our daily symptoms don't take a toll on our mental health. And you truly don't get it unless you're living it. So no matter how compassionate or really not compassionate your family is, or if you have no family, you still feel alone unless you're connecting with other people who are literally going through exactly what you are. And that's why community is so important. Because ask me three and a half years ago if I would have had an Instagram and ask Maddie if she ever thought she would meet in real life friends on Instagram. I would have both told you. Yeah. Two months ago that we'd have a podcast, I would have been like, hell yeah. If you would have told me, if you would have told me like when I was 14 and when I was trying to get a diagnosis, those 10 years, if you would have told me that I could meet two people that were dealing with such similar problems such similar bodies I never would have believed you I I would have signed up for Instagram a lot earlier (laughs) 
Yes, yeah, so would I. It's difficult because mast cell activation syndrome wasn't even a diagnosis added until 2011. And I had it since before 2011. It was 2008, I think, that my first I had my first episode of anaphylaxis. So they literally didn't have the diagnosis then to give me, you know? And one thing you've taught me, both of you, is that my symptoms and everything is valid even though I'm not diagnosed oh yeah like I yes I don't need that it would be nice because I'd get treatment but I I'm struggling right now with like having the answer so close but not being able to prove it in my country and not having the option to pay for a different doctor or a better doctor I feel like they're just letting me slowly painfully die and it's freaking terrifying but it's not my fault. And that is what you guys have taught me. I fight every day, just like you guys. And it's one thing I want the world to know. It is not easy for us to be strong. Like we don't just wake up. We're not stronger than any other human, but we've lived through a lot of shit. And if we aren't strong, we would not be alive. You Go ahead. And then I'll talk. Cause I've taken over this podcast. No, it's just that you either live in your body with constant pain, constant tea, constant nausea, the list goes on, either live in it or you, what's your other option? You, you die. Like we don't have a choice. It's just what we have to go through in order to be on this earth. And it's, it's, there's a lot of, of it that actually is just pure survival. And it's, it's horrible and you can be incredibly positive. And besides having multiple chronic illnesses, um, you know, as I've said in the past, I have also had a very, very difficult life and I've never had a victim mentality. And the most validating thing, something somebody said to me the other day was you are the strongest person that I've ever met, which I have heard a lot of times and my response always has been that's because I have to but she said but I know you're not living you're merely surviving and nobody had ever taken the time to even realize that yes since I was two years old I have been surviving I haven't been fortunate enough to just be living I have fought for my life in one way or another since I was little and I am going to record a podcast in the future and hopefully Maddie and Carly will join in a little bit um, about the correlation between post-traumatic stress disorder and autonomic dysfunction. Um, So that's something that I will focus on at a later point. But when you are merely surviving it literally physically changes the way in which your body operates. And so that is a, I mean, there's so many podcast topics that we could talk about and we could probably put a question box up for that as to how many people have had trauma in their life and then ended up getting sick because there's two things like, yes, a lot of us were dismissed as having mental health issues when we didn't have mental health issues and then we got sick and then hey there actually is a correlation between going through a lot of trauma and abuse and getting sick and I think that's important because 
you can have it, it can be both like I was just gonna say that and it can go the other way as well who can live with this much physical symptoms and sickness and not have de- some sort of depression and anxiety it's it impossible can go either way exactly it doesn't exactly. matter what came first they're all it all sucks and it's hard and it's okay if whoever's listening to this is struggling in any way every single person that has a chronic illness that I have come upon has medical PTSD. That is disgusting. Not because the person has medical PTSD. That is a traumatic response from your brain to a medical situation that should have never happened. What is disgusting is that each and every one of us have medical PTSD. That just shows how fucked up the medical world is because no patient that is spending their time in a medical facility and on a regular basis should have to have PTSD from interactions with physicians. Physicians took a Hippocratic oath. The Hippocratic oath states that you're supposed to treat everybody equally and you're supposed to save their life, whether it be in an emergency setting or whether it be long-term, whatever it is. And so that's where I get fiery and I love it. I love it. Go back to like not being able to shut up because it enrages me that our medical systems, like Carly, of course, Carly's going to have medical PTSD because she is literally going to die if doctors don't help her. And doctors. And you, you taught me that I used to minimize everything because. For 11 years, doctors said, oh, you're fine. Your tests are fine. Everything's perfect. And I would have never admitted I had medical PTSD until recently. And I have a cardiologist appointment this week and a neurology appointment. And quite honestly, I am so terrified, not because they're of what they're going to diagnose me with. It's because of how they're going to treat me. Yes. Or they're going to say, oh, everything looks fine. You should be fine. I don't know if I can handle that. If I didn't have you two to talk to during it, I think I'd have a full-blown panic attack going into this week. I have even delayed medical care, and I know Maddie has as well. Um, I've canceled appointments before, yeah. So have I. And I will space out my appointments throughout the month because I never know, especially if it's a new doctor, I never know how they're going to react. And I will get to the point where like, I will be so defeated that I emotionally can't handle it. And I guess everybody that's listening to this podcast needs to know that it's normal to break on a regular basis when you're chronically ill, especially if you have an illness that is incurable. Um, And it doesn't have to have a label, you know, because in some countries, which is what Carly has taught Maddie and I, um, Things aren't recognized. And for me, like, I used to minimize everything because I saw the top doctors growing up and nobody connected the dots. And so they were just like, oh, well, you lost your parents and you were sexually abused and you were raped and you went through multiple miscarriages and you had two abusive marriages. And so it's just a physical toll that you know, these traumatic events have taken on your body. And while part of that is true, and I have gotten way sicker, way quicker than most people, 
I started showing symptoms of EDS and mast cell before the age of two. That's what I was going to say. You, yes, you're human. No one can handle that much stress, but that is not why you are sick. Like no, no. one's body can, Yeah. stress makes everyone's body worse. But for me personally, we've all, we all have similar bodies right now, but I had a fairly easy childhood. I had love and support and nothing majorly traumatic, but there's trauma both ways. Mine is medical negligence for 11 years, having four unnecessary surgeries and my body is stuck in fight or flight mode and I feel it dying every day. And it is so hard for my family to accept that doctors just don't give a shit here and may not ever help me because, but it's, you don't understand it unless you've lived it. Mm-hmm. not just that easy to go to the hospital and get what you need. And I think that's why it's so important for people in the chronic illness community to reach out to other people. You may feel like you're a burden or this is a stranger, but we have an innate understanding that not even your own partner, unless they're chronically ill as well, is going to understand and I think we tend to self-isolate um, because we feel so misunderstood and that takes a toll on our mental health even more. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people that end their lives like and I'm, that, that, that kill themselves or commit suicide, however you want to label it, because they cannot handle the physical symptoms and how it mentally impacts them and feeling like they're alone. And I've had people comment and say, oh, you're having a really rough time. You know, you've talked about not wanting to be alive or wanting to die in your sleep. And I say, it's not that I want to commit suicide. It's that I don't want to live in a body like this with no answers. I don't want it to take a year for some doctor to figure out what's going on with my neck and back and live in hell or like Carly, who is puking uncontrollably and seizing every day and then either be told, oh, there's nothing we can do about it. Or you could have the surgery that has a 50 50 chance of working. Oh, and by the way, it's half of your annual income and you're not going to be able to afford it. Like, you know, so in both systems, there are so many flaws. And I guess the three of us are just going to continue to make these podcasts and to advocate. And hopefully our followers um, will increase because it really only takes one person to make a change. Because if somebody catches on, you know, somebody that's influential, um, that's when things start changing. Um, and so I think our podcast is both about raising awareness, um, but also about support and how important that is. And also like just information, because I've had a lot of people reach out to me and they're like, you guys call me the medical encyclopedia. And so they just ask me questions. And I never have an issue answering them because if it helps them, then that's great. If they go share that with their doctor and their doctor goes and shares that with another doctor and is able to help another patient, then I'm making a difference in the world. And you're um, making a huge difference. I don't always like, I hope you know the level of 
like love and support you've both brought me because I'm sitting here crying like a baby <laughs> but that's normal like we yeah just please reach out to us or to anyone <laughs> because it's hard yeah, to do it alone. Anyone else. Back to 2021. Um, one yeah. other thing I wanted to mention is that um, in the 10 years when I was undiagnosed, I saw so many doctors. It, it's a ridiculous amount of doctors. And I do I have, you know, laboratory evidence of mass activation syndrome and I and all the other evidence of mass activation syndrome. But quite a few doctors um, and even mass cell specialists told me that I didn't throughout the, the, the journey. And I just want people out there that are getting defeated or maybe they know innately that they have this problem, but a doctor tells them they don't and suddenly they feel so confused and upset. Just remember that a doctor's opinion is just that. It's their opinion. And you can get a second opinion and a third opinion or even a fourth opinion Oh it is God, just Maddie, you're so right because the first time I ever went unconscious probably like six weeks ago it was the scariest day of my life I all of a sudden couldn't see anything I seized for like probably two hours and I remember waking up and I, one of my friends had messaged Maddie and I remember waking up to her messages and being like Carly just because they don't believe you that is one person's opinion I know you were sick and their opinion isn't the end all be all and hearing that I needed to hear that at that moment you always know exactly what to say and not because you're superhuman because you've lived it and you have so She's much amazing empathy. she Both gives like a, is just she has so much knowledge to like I call her kind of the mother hen and she is a protector and she is great <laughs> as well and she We'll do podcasts on our own. And I always joke around with them. And I'm like, you guys, like, you do way more than I do. I'll join in when I can. But I love listening to them. Um, and they're just so insightful. Um, we, and I guess that's just, we've all lived our different paths, but we're all so similar. But yeah, I don't know. We are the trifecta. That sounds lame. I know we call it a trifecta. So I would say to everybody else that feels lost and alone, find yourself a trifecta or find yourself a duo. Like it doesn't have to be three people. It can just be two people. Because Do we think we've known each other or for a long time? We literally connected probably eight weeks ago. Yeah, I was just going to say it's so like we're months. not alone. And we're, we're just three people, random internet, Instagram people who met. And literally normal best friends, which special about me. Exactly. There's lots of amazing well, things. Well, you're so special. So, so Maddie is coming with me to an appointment because I'm single and I don't have family. So that just goes to show you, like, you can meet amazing people. And I hate being sick. But the best thing that being chronically ill has ever done for me is connected me with some of the most genuine, empathetic, loving, and caring people. And that is something that I will eternally be grateful for. Um, and some of them I've become best friends with and other ones, you know, I just have been able to help or they've been able to help me. So really like community is so important. And the cliche, we are stronger together is so applicable when you're chronically ill. 
um, especially when you have quote unquote rare or invisible illnesses. So if you guys take anything away from our incredibly random podcast, which we just decided to do on the fly, um, please find your community, find your people. Like, and again, and we are let always us here. those people if you need it. That's why yes, we, we, are, we, we are there. I made a post yesterday. You know, I wouldn't be here without Carly or Maddie because things have been so bad for me in the past two months, um, both with my health and just my personal life. Um, but I also wouldn't continue to fight if it weren't for my daughter. Um, and so that's why I say I do have the ability to separate um, my personal issues um, and my illness with what somebody else needs. And so I truly am here. Um, I'm still fighting for my children. I'm fighting for future generations. And my messages are always open. Nobody is gonna be turned away. Nobody is not gonna be responded to. It will never be too much. Um, we truly need one another. And that's the only way that all of us will survive. And that's the only way that the medical system will change. And it might take years, and I don't know how many years it's gonna take, but the more of us that stick together and raise awareness that three and a half years ago, I had no idea about any of my illnesses or just how horrible the medical systems were around the world. I but, had no idea three months ago that uh, any of these even existed. So, so you're alone. And I yeah, know scary and you probably feel alone, but if you've come across this podcast, we're here for you. The whole chronic illness community, I said this in my last podcast, has been so amazing for me. I would not be fighting still if it wasn't for everyone. And this is for everyone too. It could be for you if you know someone chronically ill or you have mental health issues or just life in general. Life is hard. So just reach out to us for anything. And like you said, Cam, we're all busy and we're just human. So we don't have all the answers, but we truly love to connect with people and give advice and just be there, even just to listen. Yeah, we, we will do whatever we can. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening to our podcast today. And if you have any questions or comments, um, you can always message us at the trifecta 2021, or um, I know our individual Instagram handles are on that page and you can listen to episodes on Spotify. Thanks guys. Okay.